0: And click on the building fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks and God bless. Let's pause and allow me to pray before we get into our series, uh, continue our series on true identity. Father, it is so helpful for us to know what you have done. But Lord, it is only helpful if we allow the things that you have done for us to be applied to our lives, to affect us, to not just know about these things, but to live in these things. And in my prayer this morning, and even as Randy shared throughout this series, is there would be a recognition, there would be a realization of who we are because of what you have done, and that we would allow that to shape us, that we would allow it to affect how we live and how we interact with the world that we are in. And so I pray today, Lord, that the things that are shared here would transform us because they are true and because you are at work in them. Give me clarity of word and and thought. And Father, may our hearts be open to hear all that you have for us. I do pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, again, we are continuing our series, True Identity, and we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. And so if you'll open with me Ephesians chapter 2, and we'll read verses 1 through 10. Now, a couple of weeks ago when I shared, and I was in chapter 1, and we looked at those verses 3 all the way down to verse 14, we said that that was one sentence, It was one long sentence, and this too is one sentence. Okay, in the Greek, this is just one long sentence that Paul is just going on and on. You want to know what? You want to know what? He's trying to get to us to understand the importance, and I feel that he is just so impassioned by what he's sharing that he can't pause and he can't break because it all goes together. And so let's read from verses 1. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This morning I'm going to talk to you about nostalgia, about calluses, about electrons, about transitions, and about design. Okay, just to give you a little map of where we're going. Nostalgia is an interesting thing because it wasn't too long ago in the 19th century that nostalgia was regarded as a medical disease that was confined to the Swiss. Right? And it was there that they found out that this this disease of nostalgia, it had these symptoms that include bouts of weeping, irregular heartbeats, inability to eat, and they were attributed to this problem in the brain. And so nostalgia was known as the disease because of how it affected the person's body. Now, we know that it's not just the Swiss any longer, that nostalgia is actually something that affects all of us and not just in negative ways. It it can affect us in moving ways. But it's funny because what nostalgia does is it starts to take our mind back to a place of how things used to be whether we miss it, we long for it. It is a remembering of something. And you see, what Paul is doing here is he wants us to remember how things were. And he's talking to the people who were in Ephesus about how they were in their worship of the goddess Diana and how they were separated from God. But you see, nostalgia is a, a funny thing because so many times we have a tainted view of how things were, right? I was such a good ball player back in high school, right? If they would have put me in, I would have made Allstate, right? It's like Uncle Rico, you know, from Napoleon Dynamite. It's just, man, if they would have put me in, I would have been there. And we always think of the good old days, right? How many of you think of the good old days? Like back in the 60s, right? Back in the 60s when you could be drunk and drive, right? Right? <laughs> back in the 60s where it was okay to smoke on airplanes right that's the good old days when everything contained lead and asbestos the good old days do you realize that it wasn't until the 70s I think it was 1975 that women were allowed to have a credit card but it had to be in their husband's name now some of the husbands are going amen you know (laughs) But imagine that. The good old days, women couldn't have their own credit card. They couldn't get a mortgage on their own. The good old days. And so we have this idea, oh, those were the good old days. Really? You think those things were good? See, a lot of times what we have to do is have an accurate recognition of how things were so that we can move forward into how things really are. And so that's exactly what Paul is doing here. At the very beginning, he gives this kind of bleak picture of how things were for these Ephesians. And their worship of Diana, who was very just uh, elusive, the God who they worshiped, she was, you couldn't please her. And it was up to her whether your child would be born healthy or not, or whether you would have food or not. It was up to her whether she wanted to bless you or not. It really didn't matter what you did. It mattered what she wanted to do, and there was just no way to know. And so he starts off with some pretty powerful things. He starts off and he says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Now, we read this, and if those of us who've been going to church for a long time, we just pass right over. Oh, yeah, we were dead in our trespasses and sin. But a lot of people who didn't grow up in church, when they hear something like this, they're going to say, Excuse me? I was dead? I wasn't dead. I was breathing. I was alive. What do you mean I was dead in my trespasses or sins? And I think this needs some clarification. I think we have to understand what Paul is trying to get at here when he says we were dead, because he says it again later on. You know, the word dead, what it means is a a desensitized or separated. It has no sensation. When I played guitar regularly, I developed these calluses on my fingers. And because I played just about every day, I had some pretty hefty calluses. And they were so much that, you know, when you slide your finger on the guitar, didn't hurt at all because the callus is just the killing of the skin, but then the skin doesn't come off. It just stays on there. So it's like this dead skin. Isn't that romantic? You know, it's this dead skin that just stays on your finger. But what happens is it loses the sensation. And so... When my kids would be around, there would be something like a candle burning and, you know, the glass is real hot. And so I would touch it with my callus to make them think I had superpowers, right? It's like, yeah, it doesn't hurt me. Go ahead, try it. You know, I mean, no, I didn't do that. Uh, I, I, they might have tried, but anyway, it, it had no sensation. I could touch that and it wouldn't burn my finger because it was dead. It was desensitized to those things. And you see, what Paul is declaring here is that you were desensitized to God. There was a separation, just like that skin separated you from the feeling, the sense that you should have. There was a desensitization that took place within you so that the voice of God was distant. It was removed from you that you were unable to hear it. And understand this, that our faith, what we believe as followers of Jesus, we, we don't believe that Jesus came to make us better. To take us from good to great. We don't even believe that he came to take us from bad to good. What, what we are about is that he, he took us from dead to alive. Okay, it's not like, yeah, I came to Jesus and I got this new shirt and I got some new kicks and man, things are going really good. I got a job interview and he's really made my life a lot better. That's not what it's about. Now, those things may happen in our life, but this is about a desensitization to not being aware to who God is to now being alive and seeing that God is present, that God is speaking and that God is with us. And that's really where we're at. That's really what's going on here so that we understand what Paul is pushing us to. Otherwise, it becomes just some social improvement. And that's not what it's about. This is about moving from being dead to being alive, to not having a sense that God is there, to now knowing that we are alive in him And so we are recognizing that there was a time, the good old days, maybe it was, where we just did not have an understanding or an awareness to God. And then we came alive to that awareness. And you may remember times, I know that there are moments in my life that I can look back with clarity with the curtain from nostalgia lifted and just remember sitting in my bed or laying in my bed looking up at the ceiling and feeling like there is nothing but a ceiling there and when my life ends i'm done and it was bleak and it was without hope and there was no understanding of anything more And you see that's where we were from death to life. And then it even gets worse. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So it goes deeper. It's not just that you were dead to these things, that you were a part of this current. When he talks about, you know, the course of this world, imagine just a river and everything that gets in the river starts rushing down. You were going down this path. And then he says, the prince of the power of the air. And so now he starts talking about the spiritual influences. And this is where it's like, what? This is kind of heavy. What do you mean? I don't remember any demons walking around. I don't remember these kinds of things. And you see, when we are desensitized, to the spiritual world, we start operating in it as if we are just living by instinct. And we start living like animals. You know, instinct is kind of what dogs do, like when they sniff each other. I mean, just to be real. And we see that and we're like, hey, knock it off, dog. That's weird. You know, stop it. But you see, that's the picture here. You, you just did whatever you felt like doing. You were just going along with the flow. But there is something beyond that flow. There is something where this current starts. There, there is something that's moving the current of humanity that we were blind to. You know, we have gotten to the place where we are finding out more and more what things are made of. Atomic levels. And one of the areas of the atomic level we know about is the electron. And so maybe you guys have seen a picture of this. The electron looks like a little mini universe, right? Where these electrons are orbiting all around the nucleus of the atom. You got protons, you got electrons. But that's not how electrons look actually the way they look is a lot more picturesque like this you see what's happened is what they've learned is electrons don't orbit the nucleus in a continuous motion anymore what happens now is they will disappear in one place and reappear in another place without traveling from one place to the other and it happens randomly so that you don't know where it's going to show up but it will show up. Particles vanish and then show up somewhere else leaping from one location to another with no way to predict when or where they will come or go. Niels Bohr was one of the first who came to terms with a strange new world that was being uncovered and he called these movements quantum leaps. leaps. So now you hear quantum physics. Quantum means substantial, right? Here's a quantum leap. It's a big change, okay? He he coined this for this new discovery, calling these movements quantum leaps, pioneering quantum physics, and realized that particles are constantly in motion, exploring all possible paths from point A to B, but you don't know what they are. They're simultaneously everywhere everywhere. And nowhere it's here. And then it's here in a moment. How does it get from here to there? We don't know. It just does. And so this started to kind of develop some other theories in how things happen. And a given electron not only travels to all these possible routes from point A to point B, but it reveals which path it took. Only when it's observed. So we know how it got from here to there. Only after it shows up there, we say, okay, it was here. Now it's here. So that's how it got there. But now if it's from here and it's here, well, that's how it got there. The path changes. It's not moving around. It's not predictable. It can't be predicted. Have you ever gone and looked at a store window? I know you have. And it's a sunny day and the light is shining through the window, so that you can see what's inside the store. So pick your favorite store. I don't care what one it is, Guitar Center, Abercrombie, whatever it is. You pick your store. And you look in there and you say, oh, look at those things that are in there. But you also, from the light, see your reflection in the window. You see, what's happening is there are photons that are hitting the window and not going through. And so what you're seeing is the reflection because some of them didn't go through. Why did some of them go through and illuminate what's inside and some of them just hit the window and stop there? Well, it's because of how they're moving. Well, how is that happening? We don't know. It's one of these mysteries. Why don't they all just go through the window? Because they have this own mind of their own. They're doing things in this way so that we don't know which ones hit the window and which ones go through the windows. We don't know why they're moving in the way they're moving and how it takes place. Most of what we interact with is actually taking place because of things that we can't see and moving in ways that we can't understand. And this is the stuff we can actually see. And so the world is made up of things that we don't understand, things that are moving in ways that we can't figure out, things that are happening that we don't know why. All matter is actually molecules moving at a certain rate. The quicker they move, the more dense it becomes, But in theory, you should be able, if you move at the same speed as those molecules, be able to put your hand through solid objects because they all are just moving. And and that's just the things that we're able to observe. What about the things that we can't observe? What about intuition? Intuition. Albert Einstein said, the rational mind is a faithful servant and intuitive mind is a sacred gift. We have created a society that honors the servant and has forgotten the gift. Most of what he discovered was because he had an intuition. He just thought, I wonder if, where did that come from? What moved him in that way to be able to think about those things? Steve Jobs from Apple called intuition more powerful than the intellect. You see, science is the beginning of demystifying the strong but sometimes inexplicable presence of unconscious reasoning in our lives and thoughts. Oftentimes we just dismiss these things, or oh, that's just you know spidey sense. What is that? You know, it's just hocus pocus. We don't we don't know what that is. But how many mothers have had intuition about their kids that they've gone up, and sure enough, there's Johnny standing on the ledge of the window, right? It's like what? It's like all of a sudden, Mom said, "What's going on? I just have this intuition." She goes there. You see, there are invisible things that are moving us to think, to feel. To see to understand that we don't perceive of, and whether you believe in demons or not, there is something that is moving humanity, and can we at least all agree that things aren't moving in the best direction right there there is constant struggle in. Trying to get people not to abuse other people, trying not to take advantage of how many times do we have to see what happened in Nazi Germany, what happened in the killing fields, what happened in China, what happened with Russia and Stalin, what happened in, in happening in Afghanistan? how many times in Syria? how many times does this have to reoccur before we see there is this current of humanity and something is moving it. And Paul is talking about that here when he talks about the prince, of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath. We were along for the flow. We were by instinct, but we were being moved by something. I've had a number of encounters with spiritual things that are really just frightening. I've had times where I've talked to people and I've heard voices coming out of them that were not their voices. And it was just weird and I don't ever want to hear it again. Things that have happened that I've witnessed that I've been a part of where people know things that they shouldn't know are saying things about things that they shouldn't know, but now they know these things, and it's just creepy. But I still like scary movies, okay? I don't know how to explain it. But there's something going on. And whether you realize it or not, you are a part of a current that was moving. And you might have thought you were just doing whatever you felt like doing, but you don't realize that you were part of something more. And, and you see, this is the tragedy that there is a world going on that's being manipulated and so many people are not aware of it. And we were dead, numb to so many things and not even knowing that we are just along in the current. And it's a tragic thing when you see people's lives being wrecked and you could tell them, but they can't hear. They don't see these things. That's what Paul is describing here, this invisible current that is dragging humanity into this destruction. But then we have a transition. Transitions are amazing. I love transitions because... Transitions takes us from one place to the other place. And the transition that takes place here is in verse 4, where it says, but God. Now, this is just one of those things. I was going to, instead of calling this transition, I was going to call it a big but, but I thought that would be childish. But I just said it. So anyway, that shows my childish. Okay, because this is a big transition. And it says, but God, it doesn't say, but you, it doesn't say, but me, it doesn't say, but him, it doesn't say, but her, it says, but God, and you see, this is the key, and this is where gospel takes place, is that God is the one who intervenes, it's not up to you. And so you have these Ephesians who are saying, man, we used to worship Diana, but we didn't know what she wanted. And we tried to give her everything she wanted, but there was no pleasing. And now we come to this faith in Jesus and it says, but God did this for you. Wasn't expecting you to do anything for him. After all, what can you do for God? But God does this for us. And so we see that, but God being rich in mercy, there's that word, mercy. Mercy is getting something you don't deserve, right? But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And so here is the transition that takes place. God's making us alive together with him. And so now what we start to see is that there is a change that takes place that moves us from being dead to being alive. But understand that this change that is taking place, Paul doesn't talk about this change gave you better performance. It's like high octane fuel and now your engine doesn't ping anymore. It's not that kind of transition that is taking place. It's not that you did more things, that you did things better. See, he made us alive. He raised you up, and then he sat you down. Paul doesn't mention performance. He defines us as being made alive, that the the calluses of our soul have been removed, that the voice of God now passes through the window of our soul, and it penetrates to the depth of our spirit. And I can now see what was once invisible to me. I don't know how. It's by the grace and mercy of God that I've been made alive. That I was dead. But I'm alive. And notice here that... It's with, not for. In other words, it's about being with God, not doing for God. Notice what he says there. He says, verse 5, Even when we are dead in our trespasses and sin, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ. You see, your identity is with God, not for God. That he has brought you to be with him. This is your design. This is what you were created for. You were always created to be with him. And the miracle of the gospel is now God has made you alive so that you can be with him. So that you can be raised with him so that you can be seated with him. The whole point is to be with him. And so many times I feel what we do is we lose sight of the intention of God is to be with us and we think it is to be for something. God has made me so that I can do something. No, God has made you so that you could be with him. And if we would understand that this is his desire, we could move from this place into a healthy place. But so often what we want to do is say, okay, if I'm going to be a Christian, what do I have to do? There is nothing you can do to make yourself right with God. Don't you understand? You were just callous. You don't understand how things were. You were being moved by the spirit, the prince and power of this air. You were just going with the flow. What God did is he reached in and he brought you out. He made you alive for the purpose of being with him, period. That's where we begin. That's what it's for. And isn't it freeing to know that I don't have to do anything but be with him. But once I am with him, it changes everything in me so that I want to do what he does. And now I will go with him to the ends of the earth. I will go with him to Haiti. I will go with him to Mexico. I will go with him to my neighbor's house. I will go with him wherever he goes because I was designed to be with him but it changes everything when you know that the design was for this purpose, not to do, but to be with. Your true identity is that you've been designed to be with, made alive with, raised with, seated with. That is who you are. Have you ever been frustrated because of the things that you do? Like, ah, why did I do that? There's a frustration. Do you realize what that frustration is? Is an awareness that there's something more for you? Do you realize that that frustration is an awareness that you're not with God maybe at that moment? Oh, when I did this, I felt terrible. When I first came to faith in Jesus, I used to do some drugs. Actually, when I before I came to Jesus, I used to sometimes be sober. Most of the times, I wasn't. And so, all of a sudden, I came to this understanding of Jesus. I was made alive. All of a sudden, the, the calluses are removed from my heart. And I start going to my friends, and I start doing the things that I'm doing. And all of a sudden, I'm feeling like, I don't feel as close to God as when I'm actually with these people talking about the things of Jesus. And that's so weird because, man, I, I, I really liked these people and I liked all the things I was doing, but all of a sudden I find myself wanting to do this instead and it was the weirdest thing for me. I felt like I was schizophrenic. This is who I used to be, but now this is who I want to be. And I get frustrated when I do these things because I really want to do these things I don't realize that what's happening is that the light of God is shining through and it's actually penetrating my soul and it's making me aware of the Spirit's leading and the work that God is wanting to do in me because I really want more than anything to be with Him. And whenever I'm away from Him, my heart is longing to be what I was designed for and that's to be with God. And he tells us the reason. Verse 7, he, he comes here and I'm landing the plane here. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. I love that. In the coming ages, you see, your design is for the future, your design and what God is doing in you is so that the people tomorrow can know who the God is in their life, just like you know it today. And he goes on and he kind of penetrates this deeper as he says, by grace you have been saved through faith in that not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship. And that word is you are his work of art. It is you're his poem. The word is poema. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. You were created for good works, right? That That is what you were designed for. Those works take place with God. That you would walk in them. That's why you were created And he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Why? Because that is where he is walking. And if we're going to grab hold of our identity, we need to see that we were dead, we are alive. That we've been raised up, pulled out of the current of the world that's just rushing into this destruction so that we could be with him And then seated with him, that talks about being comfortable. It talks about having an assurance. Raised up and seated means I've gotten up and now I'm sitting down and I'm comfortable. Okay, this is where I'm at. This is where I'm placed. You see, you need to know that it's not about whether you do good enough or don't do good enough that you are right with God. It's about what he has done for you, that there will never be anything you can do that is good enough. And that's why it doesn't matter what you have done. You were all dead. You were all calloused. You were all being washed. All of mankind was in this place, but God... Oh man, that is huge. But God raised you up. That's what he has done. So it doesn't matter what you have done. It matters what he has done. He's raised you up and he's seated you down so that you could have a relationship with him. Understand that you will not be content unless you are with him but there is nothing you can do to get closer to God than what he has already done for you. And that's the good news. So when you talk to whoever it is you talk to, and they feel like God is so far from you, you have to understand it's not because God is far. It's because that there's a callous on you. That God is here to raise you up and to sit you down. God is right here with you. There is nothing you need to do to get right with God. He has already done it. All you need to do is acknowledge that, and he will remove the callous. This is the good news because it doesn't matter where you are in life, but God can do in you what you could not do. I could not do for ourselves. And So this is the good news and this is who we are. This is to be our identity. You were created to be with him and he has done what is necessary so that you can Amen. Let's pray. Father, I pray that this truth would pierce our lives. God, that we would stop trying to live good lives so that we could be right with you, that we would stop trying to bridge this gap between death and life and we'd recognize that you have done what needs to be done, that you have made us alive, that you by your spirit in in some way that I don't understand have quickened us, have have pierced our soul. The, The light has shined and penetrated to the spirit and we see that you are there And we now hear your voice and and we now want to be with you. So I pray, God, for everyone who is here this morning that there would be that awakening, that there would be a a transition, that they would move from this death to life. They would move from a calloused heart to a heart that now feels and senses and knows your leading and that we would not wander that we would be with you in the things that we do, that we'd want to be with you wherever you go and that we would hear your leading and we would take those steps that help us to follow after you because you have created us anew to do these works so that the generations could come to come would see who you are because they see you in us. Father, may we take this truth and allow it to shape us and to shape our lives. Pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. May you remember clearly who you were and may you understand now who you are that you are with Christ, that he has raised you to be with him, that he has seated you with him, that your design and intention all along was to be with God. May you walk forward and be with him. God bless you guys. You have been listening to the Genesis podcast.